What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the show. I My name is Sam Wagman. I am your host. And if you are looking for a boring football show, I turn around right now because this is not going to be one. With me tonight is my very special guest, Angelo from Angelo Analysis. What is, what's going on, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Um, so you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, where they can find you, uh, you know, find you out on Twitter, all that stuff. Yeah, man, for sure. So, um, first off you can find me, you know, on Twitter, you know, at Angelo underscore fantasy. Um, and then you can find me on my website, um, angeloanalysis.com. So I guess a little bit about myself. Um, I work in sport and human performance. So a lot of the analysis that you see, um, is about me and my own process and uh, growing up as an athlete and being a collegiate sprinter myself. So um, my own career experiences, like I said, in sport and human performance. So it, it's been really unique to to kind of give that in the fantasy space. Um, and as an athlete myself, uh, I got to compete against some really interesting guys like Tyree Kill, Raheem Mostert, um, Marquise Gilbert, and a few other NFL athletes. So like from my lens, um, it's really interesting to see as like a, both an athlete and practitioner um, but yeah, it's just, it's a ton of fun, you know, looking at this stuff in a, in a bit of a broader spectrum, um, from what I do in my own career and like looking at data that I analyze and like looking at, you know, let's, let's say for example, like a force velocity curve, um, but type stuff like that, where I can just kind of extrapolate numbers and, and put athletes in a percentile of my own day job, which is pretty unique. And then kind of use that same mantra, um, for fantasy football too. So it's, it's been, it's been fun, man. It's been fun kind of, you know, putting it all together. Okay. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your website. You know, everyone knows that angeloanalysis.com, uh, you know, everyone on Twitter is talking about this, this, um, this website that's cutting edge in it's, you know, rankings, it's the model that you use. Tell us a little bit about that. How, how did you get started with, uh, Angela analysis, man, man, that, that's a really interesting question. So it, it kind of happened in 2019. Um, I was like finding articles and breakdowns of that draft class. I had some early round picks in my home league that year. Um, and I came across an article about Dave Montgomery, which was written by uh, Dynasty Kyle, uh, Dynasty FF Kyle on Twitter. So it was one of those things where I was like looking at all this analysis and, you know, with my own career experience and experience as an athlete, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of want to put some, you know, put some stuff out there myself. And I, was, I remember sitting in my in-laws house. Um, I was there for the weekend with my wife. And I kind of started putting a plan together and, you know, six hours later, um, I did a logo and I set up, you know, the account on Twitter and then, you know, everything kind of came to be in terms of the Twitter account and the website itself, you know, first I started on Twitter with a lot of the, you know, the content with the threads um, and the analysis there. And so Twitter only allows so much. So in terms of, you know, like letters and depth, um, I wanted a, a space to just simply give more of my fuller thoughts. Um, and you know, what I did on Twitter really helped me get creative presentation wise because of how condensed I had to be. So mm -hmm. it was actually kind of, it was a really interesting transition from the Twitter threads to like the full blown, like prospect profiles that you see on the website. So mm -hmm. that was a really unique part of it is it started on Twitter and then I guess the full blown portion, um, trickled into the website. So, um, but it's been, man, it's been, a, it's been a blessing, man. It's been a ton of fun shopping with great individuals like you and, and um and learning and growing through the process but um you know from for me i don't really have any website design experience so for me i did it all myself so okay. i had to really learn had to learn how to do it you know through failing a million times um but man like learning how like the basic code and stuff like that 
Um, it was an absolute challenge, but you know, it was, it was awesome to do and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Okay. Um, you know, what did you experience like any other hurdles when like developing the website itself? Like, did you run any, you, you, you say you don't have any like design experience. Did you ru like run into any issues with like coding and stuff like that? Like, you know, how does a website like that all come together? It can't just be as simple as, you know, uh, banging it out, you know, one day and putting your notes down on paper and it all flows together. Like it looks, it's very intricate. It's, you know, the model is there. Like what, what else? What other troubles did you have any troubles coming into it or no I, more so like i just didn't kind of really understand what it took to build a website uh okay. I, I did it from scratch so i'd say in totality it took me about 200 hours uh to just to build it you know to build it out with the groundwork and then put the content in it and you know design the ui and all that type of stuff because i you know like i said man like i had no design experience so I'm doing this from scratch and with very little um, you know, actual knowledge of how to do it. So it took me about, like I said, 200 hours um, of just kind of just playing with things. I, I, I said this on Michael Lou's show um, last Sunday. I literally got through the whole website and I'm like, man, this is awful. Like, I, I don't like how it looks. So I just redid it. It took me like an extra like 50 hours to redo everything. So, but it came out great. I, I like it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, it, it's it's me and it fits like my personality it fits mm -hmm. i think the analysis that i'm putting out so but it, it was a ton of fun doing it man like i said i wouldn't trade it for anything um but i think the biggest hurdle was just kind of going into a blind for sure okay uh what about what about the model let's talk about that the model is great it, it lists everything from your athletic scores to the analytic scores how'd you come up with all that i'm i'm sure it took forever to come up with the math and everything that worked out to yeah. you know, grade these prospects no yeah for sure um, i'm not a big math guy uh, that was kind of like my weak point in college too um but the one thing i tried to do is i tried to take the the analysis that i like to see from players and kind of just condense it mm -hmm. and just use it so it's essentially more user-friendly and it's more actionable um a lot of the traits we see as prospects um, from a physical standpoint, you know, like things like we say things like route running. Well, what is route running really? Like when you break it down, mm -hmm. um, nuts and bolts of it, like what is route running? You know, we're talking about, you know, the release of line of scrimmage. We're talking about, you know, prospects transitioning um, in and out of routes. So that was a thing for me was what are these things that we talk so much about um, and how can we kind of, you know, condense those and make them a little more actionable? Mm -hmm. um, I started it in 2019 when i started my twitter account was just kind of just jotting down notes and things of what i want to see in terms of a grading system how i want to grade prospects myself and the one thing that i did was a little different is i i combined film and analytics mm -hmm. and that was for me was was huge because you kind of need all the information you can get on these prospects in terms of like production metrics i use bmi like all that stuff kind of goes into one holistic process because for me, it has to be holistic. It can't be a very, it can't be one pronged or else you're going to miss out on a ton of really good players. Um, and in terms of also grading the players appropriately of what do they rank in terms of tiers? You know, do you have guys who are all pro caliber talents? Do you have guys who are pro bowlers or do you have guys who are just your middle of the world NFL starters? So just deciphering that and, and coming up with a system that can kind of tell you that and make it, like I said, a little more actionable in your rookie drafts. Okay. All right. So.
uh, you know, enough about that. The, the website's great and all, but let's, let's really go to the main point of the website, the prospects. Let's, let's break down, you know, this draft's, you know, top guys. Who, who are some of your favorite guys? Let's start there. In this class, um, Najee Harris for sure, Devonta Smith, and another interesting one I think was Tylen Wallace. I think he's not getting enough okay. buzz. Um, obviously, Harris and, and Smith are, you know, some of the top prospects at their position, but a guy like Wallace is kind of getting pushed on boards. I think another one that's interesting is Puka Williams Jr. at the running back position because he can kind of play. He can play in the slot. He's going to be a punt and kick returner potentially at the next level. Uh, we'll see what kind of capital Puka gets. But there's a lot of prospects in this, prospects in this class that are really interesting um, at the running back position, but we don't really know what kind of capital these guys will get because all of the pro days were kind of, um, I guess, uninspiring in terms of a capital standpoint, like guys like Chuba Hubbard, who we thought would, you know, he's a tr Canadian track star. And we thought would run in the mid four threes, you know, end up running in the low four fives. Right. So that could affect his capital. I'm not really worried uh, about, you know, Chuba Hubbard as top end speed or his acceleration capabilities. I think he's, he's a great straight line athlete, but is the NFL concerned about it? And that's the questions that we, we won't have the answer to. Okay. Uh, a guy, a guy I really love is, uh, you know, I, I'm my uh, my video is kind of blown up a little bit, but Javante Williams, man, you know, wh where does he rank? Where does he rank for you? Like he's my RB one personally, and, and it's not because uh, he's I don't I don't think he's really any better than Najee Harris, but there's something about uh, youth to me when I'm you know starting a fantasy team. I'm an ageist for running backs and running backs alone. I, I really don't like any running backs if they're over 24, especially in a startup. I'd much rather err on the side of caution, go younger. What what about what about for you? Is you know is Javante Williams you know got a chance to be better than Najee Harris like coming right out of the gate, or does it really depend on like where he lands, his situation, what kind of scheme he lands, and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think. You kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of scheme. Um, it's funny because Devonta Williams, he's a fun, fun player, man. He's a bull in the china shop, but he's really raw. He played linebacker in high school, and but he absolutely has that game-changing energy, and he's he's one of those guys that you can build an offense around because of how he plays. You know, he's an energy giver. Um, he's going to be like the spark plug of an spark plug of an offense. Okay. But I don't think he's as complete as a guy like Najee Harris. Okay. Um, for me, when I looked at look at Harris, you know, he's the best back in this class to me, hands down. He's a versatile mover and playmaker. Uh, he's the best receiver at the position in this class and has the skill set that not many backs have, and that's been a contested catch threat. And, you know, he's 6'2", 230 pounds, but plays like he's a 195-pound running back. Um, okay. I'm not worried about the lack of top-end speed or the age, because he's probably going to have the luxury of having a fifth-year option, since he's likely okay. projected to be a first-round pick. Um, running backs, their shelf life is usually around four years, four or five years, um, and you're lucky to get anything past their first contract. Look at guys like Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon. You know those guys have question marks going into their second contract now, so it's a little tougher that way. Um, but I love what Najee Harris brings to the table in terms of the versatility he presents. And I think he's going to be the focal point of an NFL offense. I think Williams is going to have to grow into um, a bigger role. Uh, I think he's still learning. Like I say, he's, he's a very raw, but very talented rusher. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it shakes out for me um, on AGS. Um, Williams is running back three. 
Okay. Um, but I think for me, I have it, you know, Najee Harris, then tier break, ETN, tier break, Williams in totality. Film wise, Williams is ahead of ETN. Okay. Um, but, you know, he's a guy too. Williams, that he, he might have a baked in floor of eight to 10 touchdowns. So for mm-hmm. fantasy purposes, that's huge. Um, he's definitely a guy I'm, you know, I'm targeting in the middle rounds of the first, you know, first round rookie draft. Okay. Yeah. For for me, you know, I see Williams as, uh, and I've been getting hate all over Twitter for, for this take. I said he was com- uh, comparative to Nick Chubb, you know, in the fact that he's like a bowling ball type of guy. He's a one, you know, he's very much a, you know, one cut runner, but he's got a passing ability that, you know, Chubb doesn't really have, or really isn't given the opportunity to, to have with Hunt in the office offense. But I love the way Javante played, you know, that, you know, I'm sure you remember the clip against Miami where he trucked two people, shook a couple more tackles, knocked down another guy. You know, that was the game him and Carter both rushed for, you know, 200, like 50 plus yards each. So, I mean, that was a sick game and it was against my hurricane. So, you know, I, <laughs> you know, sure. and I know Troy was upset that I, uh, Troy King was upset that I posted that, that, uh, that clip, you know, that, that hurts him deep as a hurricanes fan hurt me too, but you know, one can't help, but, uh, you know, really admire the, you know, the bowling ball-ness of uh, Javante Williams. And, and I, I really do think he's, you know, very close to Najee. So, you know, I think we're a, a little bit off on, you know, as far as where we ranked the two. I, you know, I'm not a huge ETM fan. I think he's got, you know, a solid uh, three-down roll, but I like this. I like the floor of Naj- or Javante more than I like the floor of ETN. Though I think their ceilings are around the same place. It definitely depends on where they land too. Well, you know, if, a- if Javante lands in a place like Arizona, man, the sky could be the limit in, a, in an offense like that with Kyler. He could be good for years. No, I so, agree. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, all right, let's talk, let's talk some of your wide receiver prospects. What, what kind of guys are, what are, who are your guys in this wide receiver class? Oh man. I think there's a lot of them that are, so this is a really unique class where I think last year's class was really good. I mean, we, okay. we know that with, with Jefferson lamb, you know, in, in company there, but man, I mean, this year's class m- might be better. Um, Smith is my favorite prospect in this class. Um, before, before we, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What about, what about your comp for Williams? Who is your comp for Williams? Sorry. I wanted to fit this in here. No, no, Connor, sure. Sure. Connor wouldn't um, know that. He's kind of an interesting prospect in that he's with the energy that he brings. It's pretty much like a Chris Carson type player. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, like I said, bull in the China shop, man. He, he's just looking to hit people. Um, you know, once he kind of slows the game, slows the game down and, and, you know, learns a little more of the nuance of the position, um, then we might some, might see some things pop for him in terms of ceiling. But I think he's a Chris Carson type back. He's a three down um, he's a three down back who an offense can run through. Um, I would love to see him in Atlanta with Arthur Smith. I think that'd be a fantastic fit. Um, and he, you know, he would score a ton of touchdowns in Atlanta. I, th- I think that's the big thing with him is he's going to be the goal line guy throughout his career. That's going to be his main role. Um, and that's going to be huge for him in terms of fantasy. So I think that's a, that's kind of my comp for him. I'm not a giant comp guy, but I see a little bit of Chris Carson, in him with, with the tenacity and the physicality that he brings to the table. Okay. All right. So, sorry about that. Back to the wide no, receivers. You're good. You're let's good. let's go back to where we were with wide receivers. Your guys, you know, I, I know who my guys are. Let's hear yours first. Sure. Uh, I think um, the first one is, uh, you know, Devonta Smith. I think that's 
for me, man, he is, I think he's the best current wide receiver in this class. I think, I think Chase is a higher ceiling as a prospect. Uh, and I have Chase graded, you know, the number one receiver on AGS because the analytics are so strong with Chase. But with Smith, what you're getting is an absolute master craftsman who controls line of scrimmage and, and keeps defensive backs guessing. He has that like combination of grace and tactical nuance that's extremely rare for a guy his age. We look at players like um, Stefan Diggs, Antonio Brown, and the greatest guy, the greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. That's how they won, and that's how they win. Is they win with this tactical, technical. Um, you know, understanding of the game of football, and they have an answer for everything a defensive back throws at them. And that's what I see with Smith is he's a guy who understands what's going to happen before it happens, but he has that you the unique physical skill set uh, to to beat press man coverage. You know, at 170 pounds, we think the, we automatically think, oh man, he's not physical enough, he's not big enough to to beat press man. But you know. If, Go turn on the tape against him and against J.C. Horn, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. Some really good cornerback prospects that he's hanging 150 plus, 200 on. And, and Stingley's going to be number one. Or at oh, this yeah. point, he looks like he's going to be number next one year. in next year's draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And J.C. Horn is obviously, you know, he's my cornerback one. Uh, I think he's a lot of people's cornerback one. So, I mean, you know, with Smith, you, there's just no – you know, you know, there's no discernible weakness. The only thing you can reasonably throw against him is his BMI, his weight. And, you know, I know that's, I think it's a big load of, you know, junk. Um, I love Devonta Smith. I love everything he does. I love the way, you know, he doesn't need a big frame to be able to box people out. He goes up and gets the ball. The catch that everyone talked about, the one in the end zone against LSU, the one-handed, you know, leaping, diving grab. I mean, that just proves that, you know, he doesn't need mass to win in the NFL. He can win with finesse. He can win with the best skill that I think is in this rookie class. I agree with you. And I I, I know your model, I your model had them ranked uh, two points apart, right? Him and Chase. I yeah. I want to I want to say Chase was a seventy-one and Devonta was a sixty-nine, right? Yeah, they're they're really they're really really close. So right. I had so I actually have Pitts as my you know number one receiver. Obviously, Obviously. Um, it depends on when how NFL teams value him. I've heard NFL teams think he's you know a wide receiver, something he's a tight end, but what have you? I think he's the best prospect in this class offensively, Absolutely. besides you know. Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I had Chase at you know tier two, all pro 69.48, Devonta Smith, tier two, 68.96. So literally a half a point apart, essentially. So what you're gonna get is like if you're using AGS to you know help you with rookie drafts, like you're gonna be drafting Jamar Chase first. You're taking the upside, you're taking um the fact that he did all that he did at 19 years old, right? He he was the, one of the most dominant receivers in this past decade, um, only a year moved from high school. And that's impressive, right? We have to, we right. have to account for that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think highly of both these guys. So for me, I, without a doubt, have both those guys in the all pro tier. Um, you can't go wrong with either one of them. I think Smith might present a better early career floor. That's the only thing. If, if you're you know, a contending team and you're like, man, I can win now. I might take Smith before Chase because with Chase, what you might get is you might get that kind of lull early career. 
he's not going to be Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, and come out and have a Pro Bowl caliber rookie season. I think he's going to grow into an alpha X role, um, be moved around a lot. He's just one of those guys that's so physical at the catch point, so physical after the catch that he's one of those, you know, one of those players that you could take him in any single, any single draft that you have a rookie draft in. If you take him 101, great. Like you, you got a player who's an all pro caliber athlete. And um, like I said with Kyle Pitts, like Kyle Pitts has a chance to be one of the greatest to ever hang up the cleats. Um, he's one of those unicorn type prospects where we're lucky that we see these guys play, you know, once every 20 years. That's how good Kyle Pitts can be. So for me, um, I don't really do a ton of, you know, scouting of the tight end position. Um, but with him being such a good receiver, I dove into him pretty deep and he's, he's probably the best tight end that has in the, in recent memory. So he's definitely the best one you've scouted, right? Definitely. I, okay. I, I, TJ was, was another TJ Hawkinson was another guy that I liked a lot. Okay. But there's a giant difference between the receiving capabilities of a guy like TJ Hawkinson uh and a guy like Kyle Pitts. Like Kyle Pitts is gonna move around everywhere. And he's such a good mover for his size. He's so fluid, so big, and he does such great things when the ball's in the air. And that's what you really have to account for is him as a red zone threat. If you're talking about fantasy, I mean, he's going to score a ton of touchdowns. So I like him a ton. I did want to ask one thing about Hawkinson while we brought him up. Uh, do you think, you know, he was drafted at one, you know, one eight, right by the Lions two mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. Did they, did they, did they reach? Like, was that too much of a reach for them? Like now that we've seen two years and he's, you know, he's still, he's in the top five. I would say he's, you know, fit, you know, fifth probably now. I like Hawkinson. I'm a Hawkinson guy, so I like him ahead of you know someone like Mark Andrews or uh, you know marginally ahead of Noah Fant. Do you think the Lions should have gone a different uh, different direction, or did they make the right move? And Hawkinson is just you know taking a little bit of time. You know, tight ends take time to develop. They usually don't break out until year three or sometimes even year four. Yeah, I think with Hawkinson, it's it's the combination of him being such a sound blocker. Mm -hmm. um, and being a good receiving threat. He's not a great receiver, but he's okay. good. He's a good route runner. He, he, you know, he sits in zones. Well, he's not George Kittle after the catch, you know, okay. he's not Noah Fant. Okay. But what he can provide for an offense is kind of that glue, um, in the running game. And, th and that's what I think that offense is going to do a lot of this year. Oh, um, yeah. With, with DeAndre Swift being back there, you know, with Jared Goff not being Matthew Stafford and them not having a great receiver room. Um, and that's going to be a big deal, too, is who, who, do they take at, who do they take at seven this year, right? Um, Devonta Smith is a very viable choice at seven for them. That's actually a fit that I don't mind, especially okay. if we're talking about the early career floor of Smith. I think Smith would play a um, Robert Woods type role in that offense. Where I agree. Yeah, I love that. I think that'd be great. I mean, he's he's a. I mean, if you watch Smith play, a lot of manufactured touches, um, which you wouldn't expect for a guy of his size, because he's so good in space, so smart and intuitive, that you know you could you know jet sweeps. Um, you know, we talk about bubble screens down the field, in the middle of the field, at the boundary. Like he can win everywhere, and that's just what that Lions offense needs. So, man, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to land, but I'm excited wherever he goes and. Uh, guys like a guy like Hawkinson too, that could help him having a guy like Devon Smith, who's a true number one threat there um, and help Jared Goff kind of be that kind of safety blanket for him.
Yeah, I, I I would love to see Devonta fall to, to twelve. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, something tells me Howie Roseman thinks it might happen, but you know, if if there was even a chance he fell to twelve and the Eagles didn't take him, I, I don't think I'd be able to watch the rest of the draft. <laughs> by far, my, by far, and, and you know, I, I'm nitpicky about you know someone like Chase. You know, I, I've I've done you know not that I'm any anything at you know film review. I just started you know really a couple months ago with it, uh, doing some stuff for Fourth and John where I write for uh, you know the Eagles blog I write for. But um, you know when I when I watch Chase, you know I noticed a little bit you know of stuff in his you know before he gets the ball in his pre snap motions. Uh, you know, whether he did, when he didn't get the ball, you know, he didn't tend to really help out. He kind of just ran out his, ran out his route and kind of just stood there. Um, you know, he doesn't have a terrific release. I'm sure when we saw his 40, you know, even though he ran a four, three, eight, he started out really slow. So, you know, is his early, is his early release or slow release going to hurt him in the NFL? Like he does everything great after the catch. Once he gets that ball in his hands, he's an elite weapon. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he won't burn you, but he'll, he'll spread the field enough to where, you know, he can run away from a defense. But is there, is there anything that you can nitpick about Chase's game to like assuage yeah. me a little bit? Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's the, the, the nuance of the line of scrimmage. He hasn't played the position long enough to develop that truthfully. Um, and he's not Devonta Smith in terms of having that tactical, technical skill set that Smith has that, that's so prevalent. And he, Smith wins the game with the intellect. Chase wins the game right now. It's just raw physical capabilities, just being able to overpower corners. He's a very hands-on wide receiver, which is kind of rare to see, um, but he that he loves that. He relishes the physical contact, and it's just he's not you know he's not mature enough to to develop some of the skill sets that he'll have later on. But that's really it. He's just kind of a you, you raw prospect oozing with upside. I mean, he's one of the best athletes that you can find at the position in terms of the overarching nature of it in terms of, you know, leaping ability, um, like top end speed. He has everything you'd want in a number one wide receiver. It's just giving him time to kind of grow into that number one wide receiver mold. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, everyone can't stop the singing, singing this guy's praises. You know, I, I've loved Smith as my wide receiver one for a while. And I, I, love the fact that he's going to be able to win right away. Like I think right away he could come out the gate. If he's in the right offense, he could have a one K season his first 100%. year and it, yeah. it would not shock me. Um, but let's, let's get down to the main prospect breakdowns that I wanted to get into the five guys. Sure. So let's start with uh, Najee Harris and, you know, Najee Harris didn't run a 40, you know, didn't really do much at his pro day because, you know, he's still got that hamstring injury from the season, but, what can what kind of what can we expect from him? You know what 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 can you tell us about Najee Harris that he does so well that you know um, sets him apart from everyone else? Man, I call Najee Harris the bull and ballerina slippers. Uh, at six two, two hundred thirty pounds, he's the best mover at the position in this class. And what I mean by that is the combination of efficiency, grace, and just having a really broad skill set as a mover and as a running back. It's going to lead him to be, I think, the most productive running back just right out the gate. I mean, he's going to be a player that's used in a, you know, a versatility role as a receiver. That's the unique part. If we look at the, the running backs in this class, none of them are really great receivers outside of Kenneth Gainwell. 
You know, Javon Williams is a good pass catcher. He's a pass catcher, not a receiver. Etienne's a pass catcher, not a receiver. You know, Trey Sermon, kind of in that same light. So if we look at a guy like Harris, he can be used down the field on angle and option routes. He can be split out wide in the slot. And that's the difference is you have a guy who's 230 pounds, you know, who can win one-on-ones against linebackers at will and overpower small cornerbacks. So that's the that's the thing about Harris is he has the skill set to not only be a, like a true three-down um, player at the position, but he has the skill set to be a Todd Gurley-like fancy producer potentially in the right offense. I and, that's the un- and that's the unique part about it is he has the capabilities of a receiver. He's a good runner between the tackles. He has good anticipatory qualities. He's a really good overall prospect the position uh, i have him he, he's in the all pro tier for me on ags uh i think really highly of him because he has such a high ceiling as a pass catcher and as a receiver and as a rusher as well and that's the big thing is guys like him don't come into the league often with his size his movement skills and the ability to be a versatile receiving weapon okay all right and uh you know where does he need to go to succeed? You know, wh- wh- what's going to be his best landing spot? I think for a guy like him, there he's an all thirty-two team guy. He can he can go on any team. I think and have success because of um, the overarching nature of his skill set and just the versatility that he brings. However, I think a really good landing spot for him would be Pittsburgh um, in the early twenties. I would like that if he fell to him. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think he'll end up going eighteen to Miami. That, that's kind of my inkling. Um, I think it'd be a great spot for him too. I think redoubting with Tua, it's funny because uh, I was listening to an interview about two months ago. Tua's actually like his best friend. And uh, Tua's, Tua's mom was actually commenting on it, which is hilarious. Um, but they're they're really, really close. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know he's in that offense with Tua um, and we see him you know as a primary ball carry and potentially the number one option on that offense. Yeah. For me, I wasn't shocked when the when the Dolphins moved down to twelve in last week's trade. Be- obviously, before the Eagles news came came in, uh, you know, in the five minutes I had to digest the trade and you know think about what what happened before the other news, earth shattering news came in that my Eagles were trading out of six and losing the chance to draft generational prospects like Kyle Pitts. Oh my God, Jamar Chase. But uh, you know, I'm not salty. I promise, just a little bit. But, uh, you know, I obviously understand why they did it, and it was very smart. Anyways, uh, you know, I thought Najee had, you know, they made it traded down so they could justify taking Najee at 12. Uh, that's certainly not the highest I've seen. Uh, my good friend Christian Williams, uh, C. Williams NFL on Twitter, um, wants him to go to the Falcons. He's been mocking it for months now. Uh, he's gone as hot, gone as much to say they might go uh, and shock the world and draft him at four. Though I think it's much more likely if they get to a trade down, you know, with either with Carolina or um, the Broncos at eight and nine. Neither of those would shock me. No, um, yeah, yeah. I but I also wouldn't be shocked if he. I think his likely spot right now is sixteen. I'm not sure if he gets to Miami. Um, a sixteen to the Cardinals, though they need quarterback help. There's a chance that uh, all three of the guys they want could be gone by then. Um, the Chargers, the Eagles, uh, the Patriots with Stephon Gilmore possibly on the way out. All of them need corners, so you know it wouldn't shock me if if the guy that Arizona wants is not there at 16, and they could instead go for running back. And 
since you know uh, Kenny Drake is gone, it's just Chase Edmonds there. Wow, I love Edmonds if he's left alone because you know let, let, let my boy run free, man. He's had some chances, <laughs> but you know he can't he can't seem to catch a break. Whether it was injury after the three touchdown game a couple of years ago, or you know last year, you know ch- you know Drake is chugging along, came in to take a spot. You know, I mean, you know, the guy can't catch a break. And, you know, he's really a, a talented running back. I really do like him. Uh, you know, I, I try and get myself some Chase Edmonds every year. But uh, he just can't, you know, get a shot. And Kingsbury says he thinks, you know, that Edmonds can be a feature back. But can he, you know, do we think he can be a feature back? What, what do you think? You think he stays there? You think he, Or do you think they draft someone? I think they're more likely to draft a running back in the first two rounds. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if Najee Harris is staring at them in the face at 16, I think what he can do for their offense is the big thing, as a receiver in particular. Um, DeAndre Hopkins needs help, right? He he can't do it all himself. Kyle Murray's another guy. AJ Green. <laughs> the ghost of AJ Green. <laughs> the ghost, um, of, AJ the ghost Green. of AJ Green. Uh, I, I think AJ has a little bit left, but I think Kyler needs a viable number two target. And I think Great. that's what Najee Harris will present for him. That'd be a massive spot for his receiving upside because of how fast paced that offense is. And Kyler has never really had a running back to really rely on. Right. Kenyon Drake's off injured. Chase Edmonds, some of the same explosive playmaker, but he's not going to be a guy you trust with 18 to 22 touches a game, right? So right. I think they look to bring in somebody early. I think if Harris is staring him in the face at 16, I think they take him. Okay. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me either. And you know, it, it's really probably the best landing spot in the draft. Like going to going to the Cardinals offense right now. That offense is set up to score and score a lot. Even if Kyler takes some of the touches away from there, there's mm-hmm. not enough receiving. There's not enough receiving yards to go around. You know that Najee's not that Najee wouldn't sneak in there and get you know probably 40, 50 targets here one. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's a big upside spot for him, you know, because he's kind of like that. He's like a, he's Matt Forte ish as a receiver, you know, as a Chicago Bears fan growing up and watching Forte, very similar skill sets as a receiver. They, they can light up out wide in the slot. You know, they're really good on angle and option routes. So it's going to be a kind of Kyler Murray's dream of having that, you know, intermediate option. Um, to pair along with DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't, I, I'll be, you know, as someone who has Najee Harris in a lot of places, I'd be very happy. Um, but we'll see what happens. Okay. And let's move on to, you know, let's, let's bring it back to Javante Williams a little bit. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but, you know, he ran a four, five, five, but, you know, he's strong. We know he's very strong already. Um, you know, he can catch the ball as well. What, what do you see that what, – let's give us your breakdown of him. What sets him apart from everyone else? First of all, you know, he's your wide receiver three. Why is – or running back three. Why is he your RB3 behind ETN? On film, I have him ahead of ETN. Um, okay. In totality, you know, ETN has the strongest analytics in the class. Okay. So, uh, you know, that that's just how – you know, it's how it shakes out. But with Williams, he's going to be someone who, like I said before, gets to go and work from year one. He's going to be the primary goal line option because of how good he is in short yard situations. Uh, Bull in a China shop. He's he's one of those guys that you're not going to want to tackle. He's an energy giver. He's going to be the focal point of an offense. Um, and he has a potential to be, if he lands in Atlanta, literally the engine um, 
of that running game. And that's going to be a big part of his career is he's going to be a, a high volume back. And those guys are really, those guys have really safe floors fantasy wise. So similar how the, you know, the bears drafted David Montgomery um, a few years ago, um, my Chicago bears, obviously for me, I love David Montgomery's spot because he could be a high volume rusher, Obviously, with Tariq Cohen gone um, with injury last year for majority of the year, we got to see what Dave Montgomery can do with a ton of volume, and he was RB4. That's kind of what Javante Williams could do. It's going to be, if he's a high-volume option, he has a chance to be a top-five running back because he's going to get, if he has like um, 85 to 90% of a team's carries, he's going to have 12 touchdowns or more. And that's huge in a big in a in a good scoring offense like like Atlanta. So his skill set in general, I I think he's really raw. I think he has a lot you know a lot of room to grow as a running back, which is great. He's only twenty one years old, so he's going to be a guy who is on the younger side. I don't age for me at running backs doesn't matter as much because it's all about how much you get hit and right. And you generally don't make it out of your first contract in terms of being out of your first contract and performing at the same level you did on your rookie deal. But he's going to be a player. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of ascend in the ranks of, of being a above average NFL player. Yeah. And I, I like Javante because, you know, as you said, you know, I know, I know age doesn't make a difference to you, but to me, you know, seeing that he may end up on a second contract at 24, you know, that, that's huge. You know, it gives him a year of production before he goes into his peak value. Then he's got two more years after that to play out that second contract before, you know, he approaches, you know, the cliff that is, you know, for one, very well documented for running backs. You know, everyone falls off the cliff at 27, you know, you know, prepare for that Derrick Henry. But, uh, <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I want to bring up one more guy, and he's not on this list, but Michael Carter, you, Javante Williams' partner in the backfield at uh, North Carolina. What do you see for him, and, you know, where, where do you think he's going to land in this class? Because, you know, this class is a little top-heavy. After, after Etienne, Javante, and Najee, it kind of falls off a little bit. Mm -hmm. But Carter's right in there in that second tier. You know, do you see him as a three-down back? What does he grade out on AGS for you? Uh, he to me though he's a complimentary piece. Uh, okay. I like him actually a lot. He's actually in the same tier on AGS um, of Williams. Um, that that fourth tier of guys who have a chance to be above average NFL starters. Obviously Williams at the top of that tier, so he has the best chance to get into tier three, which is the Pro Bowl tier, and he's mm -hmm. pretty close to it. So it's not like he's super far off. Um, a guy like Michael Carter for me has a good chance to be a, a awesome primary complimentary option. You know, he's going to be the guy who's the one B in a backfield. I love to see him in Philadelphia. He's a very skilled, intuitive runner. Um, he's one of those guys who plays well in space and he plays well in tight spaces as well. So mm -hmm. I would like to see him paired with somebody who is a clear cut one. A uh, I don't know if he is a true three down back. If he is, it, we could see like an Austin Eckler situation where we have a guy who is a good receiver, who is a good runner between tackles. You know, he's, he's viable at the very least, um, but he's not going to make very many mistakes. Okay. He's going to play mistake-free football, and that's really important when you're projecting some of these guys is this is a weaker running back class. Right. So which of these guys can have a safer floor if they're called upon? I think the two that come to mind are Trey Sermon and, and Michael Carter. It's, it's those two guys, I think, who 
are of higher skill level who might not be as talented physically, but they're going to be guys who can be um, contributors um, on an NFL team as potential 1B and then the potential for more um, if their running mate goes down. All right. I like that. All right. So uh, let's get to the part of the, the class that you know everyone's talking about. We haven't gotten to talk about, and I kept him out of this conversation until now because I really want to dive into this guy. My favorite guy in the class, everyone's favorite guy, Kyle Pitts. Uh, guy is a <laughs> guy's a monster. He's you know you know he's more he's got a bigger wingspan than DK Metcalf, an 83 inch wingspan. That's insanity. Guys running a four or five was or four four in, in the 40. Is this guy made in the lab? I mean, yeah. I mean, you 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 get one of him every every twenty years if you're lucky. I mean, he's unicorn. a ho- unicorn Hall of Fame caliber player. I mean, this is a guy that you. I mean, I don't care where you take him in rookie drafts. You can take him as early as you want, and I'm not scoffing at it because these guys don't come around often. Like you, you're not going to get another one of him. I think Najee Harris is a a fairly rare prospect with his height and weight and his movement skill, but. Kyle Pitts is once in 20 years rare. Like yeah. those type of athletes aren't really walking in the face of the earth. You know, that's in the same, he has the chance of being essentially the LeBron James, the tight end position. That's what he has a chance to be. I'm not saying he's going to be that, but he has a chance to literally be one of the, be on the Mount Rushmore of tight ends. You know, with guys like Travis Kelsey, Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Gates, those that's the breadth of guys he can really be in. So I mean he's he's phenomenal. There's not much you can say bad about him. You know, he's just an absolutely just transcendent talent. Is there anything on AGS that was not like completely favorable to him? Like I, I remember what I remember looking at it and I think everything was above average, but was there anything that was, you know, what was the lowest thing for him? What is, what does he grade out the worst in? Not that he grades out bad. Man, then. grades out the worst in. Let me pull it up for you. Right. Um, off the top of my head, I think the one thing is we just don't know how he's going to be utilized. Like we don't right. know how we, he's a ver- I mean, he's a, one of the most versatile players in this whole mm-hmm. class, right? Yep. But we don't know if a team is going to fully utilize that versatility. And so for me, the the only spot that he graded a little lower was, I mean, he was literally a three or above on everything in terms of like the physical nature, the film nature of what he mm-hmm. does. And the one was through break transitions. You know, he's he wasn't asked to run a ton of timing rounds. Okay. And that's, you know, what's his role going to be? He's, going to be the best red zone option in the NFL pretty soon. Yep. I mean, that that's going to be him. Um, but is he going to be a target monster like Travis Kelsey, right? Is he going to have a hundred, 110, 120 targets and, you know, in his season, is that going to be him or is he going to have to rely on touchdown efficiency to, to be really fantasy viable and potentially hit that tight end one spot? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one guy, if there's anyone who's going to buck that trend of, of rookie tight ends, it's going to be Kyle Pitts because he plays wide receiver. He moves around all over the field. Um, but like I said, the only question mark is how much is he going to move around? You know, are we going to get to see the versatility year one, or is he going to have to kind of be groomed into that, into that, uh, you know, like Swiss Army knife role in, in the NFL offense? Yeah, the way the way I see it is that right away he comes in with you remember the Tyler Eifert season from I, I want to say it was sixteen or seventeen, yeah, of he course, had like six hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns. Right. So I think, you know, uh, depending on where he lands, 
Uh, you know, we could be looking anywhere from Atlanta at four to Miami at six, where I think he's going to land anyways. Uh, Detroit at seven. You know, really any team in the top ten except for except for San Fran, the Jets, or actually even the Jets could draft him, but everyone would that would be like sending him to die. Uh, the Jaguars, the 49ers, and yeah, I think that's it. I, I apart from that, I don't think there's any team that would not consider taking him. But I think that's what we could see the first year. You know, something where he he's a monster red zone target. He's six six. He's two hundred and fifty pounds. You know, the guy is going to tower over every single corner. You're going to need to double him every play. And that's when he's lining up as a tight end. You know, let, let's not forget, you know, like you said, these guys, these teams were going to be smart. They can line him up 50% of the time as a wide receiver, as an X, and let him run routes on quarterbacks. He did that plenty at Florida. You know, he can beat, he can beat press. He can beat safety help. We've seen it all on cam, all on tape. And we've seen it on your, you know, breakdowns of that, you know, make sure you guys check that out. Cause that is some of the best tape I have ever seen, you know, on, on off a prospect like that. But, um, you know, with Pitts, there's, there's no worries about matchups. He is matchup proof yeah. like legitimately. Yeah. And it does not matter the quarterback, you know, all they got to do is throw it up to him. He'll go like that and he'll bring it down. He's like taco fall. He's like taco fall. <laughs> taco fall. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, I've, never heard, I've never heard that name on a podcast and I, I, I love it. I need, I need more taco, taco fall. fall. Yeah. That's we, awesome. we need more taco fall, but, um, that's great. <laughs> but you know, with Pitts, it's just it's so crazy the ways you can utilize him. And and I'm so looking forward to how a team does it because there's no there's no real way that you can screw it up. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he's an average blocker. You know, he's not gonna do a ton of blocking as a as opposed to someone like TJ Hawkinson or Rob Gronkowski at this point. You know, he's gonna be a you know a vertical threat, he's gonna be a you know uh, move the chains threat. He's going to be a threat in all three levels of the field. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to that and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how he's utilized, but we might not see that, you know, 1000 yard season off the bat right. from him. It may take a little bit, but he can be, if he's used like how Waller's used, he's used how Kelsey's used. He gets on a volume offense where there's not a ton of targets around him. And in a place like Miami, uh, that could, the, you know, the future for that, that could be the place if he ends up going six to Miami. That would be really intriguing to, to watch Tua throwing to uh, pits like that, you know, for years and years and years to come. It, it's very, you know, appealing. So no, I, I agree. Yeah. I think the, yeah. I, if the Falcons, I would be shocked the Falcons passed on him. I mean, because, I mean, man, I mean, imagine that offense. Like imagine that offense with Ridley and Julio Jones, and then Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's and it's so fun to think about that. And and the sec and you know it would shock me if the Falcons weren't uh, looking to draft a running back in one of these first two or three rounds. You know, I think they could end up with an ETN or a you know a Javante Williams to go alongside of that if they do draft Pitts at four. I mean, man, that would be. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So let's let's move on. Uh, let's move on to Devonta. Get to our two wide receivers, Devonta Smith and Javar Chase. We'll go to Devonta Smith first. Uh, for you, you know, uh, he did not run a four. He did not run a forty. What do you think he would have ran if he ran the forty though? 
So when I look at it, I look at like being a track guy, like I look at the, the track stats. And he's a 10, 6, 700 meter runner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can, you know, Jalen Waddle ran 1084, right? So we're looking at a guy who, who doesn't get enough credit for his top end speed and his accelerate, you know, his, his accelerative qualities are, are magnificent, right? He's one of the best accelerators at the position, um, but he doesn't get any credit for that because, you know, he looks, you know, he doesn't look fast, right? Fast does not have to look fast. And that, that's one of the things that, you know, I think people are going to start to understand more and more when you watch him play is the reason why cornerbacks play off on him, right? Like, like Derek Stingley Jr. and J.C. J.C. Horn is a four, what are you, a four, three, five? Yeah. Like four, three, eight? Like, J.C. Horn doesn't even want, you know, want to check with the line of scrimmage because Devon Smith is that quick. I think, like, the 40 stuff is overblown in pro days, um, but he, he's – uh, high four three, low four four guy. Um, I don't think that's any question. But he's a guy also was a like forty five plus for triple jumper. He was ran under fifty seconds in the quarter mile in high school. I mean, those are impressive athletic measurables. Um, but he's, I mean, he's an unbelievable athlete. And the one thing that people have to understand too is he's working with one of the most well renowned sports scientists in the world, and, and Dr. Matthew Ria. Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason why, you know, for me, I'm not worried about the weight. I mean, he's working with literally one of the best in the world at what he does. And that guy is telling us to not be worried about the weight. His weight doesn't matter. BMI doesn't matter. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, you know, his, uh, his weight to me doesn't, doesn't matter. Just the way he wins. Um, you know, you could argue BMI till you're, you know, blue in the face. Um, does BMI have a role? Sure. You, you can look at it as a, you know, as a part of a process, which is fine. I do, mm-hmm. but it's not a sole end all be all. Like I'm never going to, you know, be off on a process because of BMI or age. Um, but I mean, man, for me, Devon Smith is the guy's fantastic to watch. He's, he's probably the most fun watching this class. Him and Kim and Kyle Pitts. For me, like I could watch those guys on on freaking replay all day. Okay, and what do you think is his best uh, fit? What do you, what do you, where is he going to go and have success? Not just immediately, but over the long term. So, you know, <sighs> over the next five six years. That's tough to project because he is probably going to fall to one of three teams. Okay, he's going to go to the Eagles. Which I I think you would like as being an Eagles fan. Oh, absolutely. To the Lions, okay, or to the Dolphins. One of those three. Okay, uh, I think that that's I think one of those three spots is where he's going to go. Out of those three, the Lions wouldn't be bad because he's going to be an absolute volume monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be a guy. Year one, he could command 130 plus targets in, in Detroit. That that's like they have Tyrell Williams, like Quintez Cephas. Like Rashad Perriman, Rashad, yeah, like who, like, like come on, like these are exactly. these guys aren't taking targets away from him, right? So, I mean, it's him and T.J. Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. That, that's going to be the target order, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, if he goes to that offense. Um, I would like Philadelphia because I like Jalen Hurts a lot, and I think Philadelphia doesn't have a number one option. I think Jalen Rager is a nice number two. I think he developed into one of the league's best number twos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, man. I like 
I don't trust Philadelphia very much right now. I I don't think how how can anyone trust Howie Roseman? So yeah, that's the tough thing, you know. You being an Eagles fan, that you know, yeah. I mean, how yeah. do you take how do you draft Jalen Hurts in the second round, and then tell Carson Wentz's job secure, and then like you. Like what do you do? You bench you bench Wentz, and then his his confidence is already toast. So, anyways, I don't know. I mean, I, I think between those three, I'd like the Lions, and then I'd probably like Miami, then the Eagles last because I just okay. I don't trust the Eagles front office to office like to do anything like the most like, right happy. now. I am happy that it's a new coaching staff. It's an entirely new staff. These every single one of these guys, except for the wide receivers coach and and Aaron Moorhead, uh, who comes from the Colts organization, mm-hmm. of course, yeah, like everyone else who came from the Colts organization to the Eagles in the past year. But he was here last year, and our receivers actually did not look as bad as they have in the past, you know, right. three or four, four years. So you know, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he's back. There's some continuity there. Uh, I'm confident that, you know, under a new offense, I think that uh, Smith would flourish. You know, I I think a lot of the issues that our team has had was the scheme that uh, Doug was running the last couple of years, which was not an aggressive scheme at all. Uh, And it it really didn't get we were not working with the right scheme fits for our guys here. So, um, you know, going forward, I think it'll change a little bit. Sirianni's going to implement a new scheme that's really based on, you know, a lot of run, a lot of uh, running back touches, passes to running backs, stuff at the line of scrimmage, uh, jet sweeps, motion plays, all the stuff that Jalen Rager and Devonta Smith really excel at. So at 12, there will be nothing better for me than to see that. Yeah, I, so, agree. I agree. But uh, let's move on to our last guy here. Jamar Chase ran a four three eight. Uh, you know, everyone was waiting for the everyone's wa- you know everyone's waiting for the other shoe to drop on Chase. Nothing seems to be wrong with him. You know, let's hear your breakdown on him. I mean, you're 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 right. I mean, nothing. You can't really say anything bad about Chase other than that he's he's young and he's pretty raw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's you know one of the strongest players at the catch point that we've seen in in, in the past couple classes. And he's going to be someone who's going to be a number one target for an NFL offense for a very long time. Like he's going to be a decade, you know, a decade alpha essentially. And that's what you want to look for. Um, In my breakdown of Chase, the one thing that I, you know, I always talk about is the physicality, you know, physicality at the line of scrimmage, physicality at the catch point, and the physicality after the catch. He's one of the most physical players in this class in terms of getting his hands on guys and not being afraid to, to use his athleticism, use his play strength, use his frame. Um, and that's going to be something that NFL teams are drawn to because he is going to be a guy that's going to succeed after the catch as well as at the catch point, like I said. So he's a, I mean, there's not much you can say bad about him other than that he's, in a, he's pretty inexperienced, um, which is actually a, that's a blessing and a curse, but that's a really good thing if you're talking about the best wide receiver prospect in this prospect in this class, potentially, is he broke out as a 19 year old kid. Uh, but he's probably going to get drafted. I think he's a top five pick. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals took him. I think they need um, Sewell, but um, if Joe Burrow convinced them, that wouldn't be surprising. But he's the, you know, he's hit, there's probably two wide receivers in the top 10, maybe three. Uh, I think it's going to be 
Chase is the first off the board, then Smith, and I think Waddle is the is the third one there too. That I think actually might he might fall the Eagles. You know, I think he might be one that the Eagles consider too, which would be an interesting fit. Um, but yeah, I they mean, love speed. They yeah, love speed, no, so. I think that'd be interesting. But yeah, I mean, dude, I can't say enough good things about Jamar Chase, man. He's he's a phenomenal player, and if you're you know looking at to try to get a, a decade alpha in your rookie drafts, he he's definitely the guy. I think his best spots in Miami, uh, no, yeah. no doubt, right? Yeah, I think that'd be a great spot for him. I, I, I think Devonta Smith fits better because of what Tool likes to do, and how well Devonta Smith separates downfield. But I mean, you're splitting hairs. I mean, either one of those guys, man, would be, would be a fantastic upgrade. You know, with they have Parker and Williams, who are fine players, but n- not the ability of of Chase and Smith. Yeah, the way I see it, Chase is the best, the most physical guy in the draft. He he's going to be your best guy for those fifty-fifty balls. Um, and Smith is your best if you want to win with intelligence, finesse, you know, line of scrimmage play, jet sweeps, motions. He's your jack of all trades. Do everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing. I'm worried he's going to end up like a Tavon Tavon Austin or anything. But you know, I really think he can do almost anything. You know, for a football team right. at any place on the field. Right. All right. Well, um, you know, wrapping things up a little bit. Uh, do you have any, you know, ideas or suggestions about the draft? You know, how are we going to see this top ten play out? Let's let's hear your top ten mock draft. Oh, top gosh. twelve. Top twelve for my Eagles. Okay. All right. Can, let me give you a sec. Let me pull this up. Um, I ha- I have it. I think obviously number one we're gonna Trevor. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, absolutely. That's. I think. I mean, that's going to be a pretty easy pick. I think number two is is going to be. It's me, Wilson. Uh, I think yeah. that's going to be the selection for the Jets. I think number three. That's the one where it gets tricky with Sam Fram. Um, what are they going to do? Are they going to go the safe route and go Mac Jones, or is it going to be Justin Fields? I think. I think it's going to be or Trey Lance even. I think it's going to be Justin Fields. I think it's going to okay. be Fields at three. It should be Fields. It, it, it at least should, I agree with you. It should be Fields, a hundred percent. I think at four, then we see Kyle Pitts come off the board. Okay. At five, we see Sewell. At okay. six, we see, at seven we see Smith. At eight, we see Lance. Okay. Then at nine is where it's going to get tricky. At nine, I think we see Parsons. Interesting. Denver's uh-huh. potentially looking for a new quarterback. Mac Jones is still on the board. Uh, you don't think Elway may push there? I don't think so because I don't think he's – I like Mac Jones. I think he's a good four, a good four play. I think if you have enough around him, he can succeed. I think they do have a – I mean, they have a good nucleus there. But I think Parsons is too good to pass up. Um, it will provide a lot as the anchor of that defense along with obviously Von Miller. And then I think ten is when we see JC Horn go off the board. Ooh, um, I think I, I think that would, pick for Dallas. I think I'll be fantastic pick for. I mean, I think that is the pick for Dallas, right? I think he's. I, I would assume JC Horn falls there, and then if you want to go a little deeper, then I think eleven's when we see this. You know, then we see Jalen Waddle, and then okay. twelve is going to be the fun pick with Philadelphia. You know, the top three receivers are off the board. The best tight ends off the board. What do they do? And that's going to be the question mark. Um, that you know, like I don't have the end. That's the one I, 
I, I'm scratching my head. What does Philadelphia do at 12? If the top three receivers are off the board, the best cornerbacks off the board, the best linebackers off the board, the best tackles off the board, what do, like, what do you do since you're an Eagles fan? I'm fit. Well, so here, here's what my thinking would be. So I'm going to go from, you know, offense to defense in, in the areas that we need. Uh, we need some retooling along the offensive line. Now, I think they're going to do that later in the Slater. draft. So I don't think this is a place we see Slater yet. Uh, this this pick would be an extremely good pick for the Eagles. Uh, it would provide them some insurance at tackle if they need it. Not that I think they need it with Mylotta there. They're going to give Dillard another shot. But the guards are aging. Kelsey's going to consider retirement year after year. Brandon Brooks is coming off two Achilles tears. Lane Johnson's ankle collapsed. I mean, we need some help. And we got some younger guys in, in Driscoll and Herbig that, that we like. But uh, Slater would be a really great pick. Uh, another pick that I could easily see them doing, especially with the switch to Jonathan Gannon's uh, zone scheme, is Patrick Sertain. Yeah. Uh, he's, not my, he's not my top guy anymore. Horn's my top guy now because he's just a beast. But, you know, I wouldn't be upset with Sertan. You know, if this was, if, you know, in this hypothetical scenario, a lot of my picks are gone. You know, Smith's gone. Chase is gone. Pitts is gone. Sewell's gone. Horn's gone. Parsons is gone. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah Uosu-Koromoa from Notre Dame. Yeah, Lyman, yeah, yeah. Another, you know, solid pick. The guy can do a little bit of everything. He fits the athletic linebacker that works in Gannon's scheme. You know, this is a guy who just came from working with Darius Leonard for, you know, uh, his time in Indianapolis. Major stud, major off-ball linebacker. I know off-ball linebackers are not as important as they used to be, but right. Owusu-Koromoa could do a little bit of everything for them. Well, excuse me, and be really good. And, uh, you know, the last thing I could see them doing, I can't really see them going defense. That would probably piss the entire fan base off. Uh, you know, a, a defensive end or a tackle. Because, you know, as much as we like to rebuild for the trenches and it's important, it's a huge part of our identity, it just doesn't make any sense here. I'd rather trade down again. If none of those guys is the pick, I'd rather trade down again, look to the 20s now, look to pick up more capital, grab a guy like Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall. See, that's what I was going to say. Do at 12, is that is too is, high at 12, is, I think. I think I, I agree with you that it's too high at 12 for, for both of those guys. I have both those guys. I mean, we have a lot of Pro Bowl caliber receivers in this class. This is a oh, very yeah. good receiver class. We have a we have a little bit of everything. We have your high floor guys like Bateman. We have your super high ceiling guys like a Terrace Marshall with his size and athletic capabilities. Oof. But I wouldn't be shocked if they do take Marshall at 12. I think they want – the thing that I've realized – is what they wanted with Jalen Hurts. They want to push the ball down the field. And we talk about his completion percentage and why was it so low? He took a ton of downfield shots. Right. Because, I mean, what are you going to, what are you going to do? What else are you going to do? I mean, you, you don't have the weapons in the intermediate areas with, with, you know, with Zach Ertz hurt, you know, Dallas Goddard was injured. Travis, Travis Fulgham. I don't know where the heck he went, but, Honestly, man, I he think got hurt. Would... he was hurt too. He, he was him. Yeah, he had an ankle procedure a few weeks ago. Now, I'm not saying that's what right, yeah, right. The in the season. Was. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but no, it's I mean, I could I could very well see them taking Terrace Marshall there. I think they want to make a splash play. I think the safe play 
and you gotta get dude you gotta get jalen hurts some weapons like if you really want to see if this guy's a qb of the future your best receiver can't be the ghost of Alshon Jeffrey. Correct. Like that's well, he's gone, yeah, he's yeah, gone, now he's gone. God, but, but I mean, last year your your best receiver was literally the ghost of Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you can't you have to give this guy a legitimate chance, right? So I think they're gonna. I think they could take Bateman at twelve and be safe. But I think the splash pick, if Waddle, if Smith, obviously Chase is gonna be gone, is Terrace Marshall. And I wouldn't be as a Jalen Hurts fan, I wouldn't hate that because it's, you know, you're gonna be trying to light it up every Sunday. And that's all you can really ask for. I mean, that's yeah, give him a chance. Yeah, for me, for me, I think in the hypothetical case that, you know, this hypothetical case, I think the best move is probably to trade down. Yeah, hundred percent ammo and grab an offensive weapon there because look, uh, you know, the reason I think 12 is too high to take them is because I think by, you know, 17, 18, they're still going to be there. Maybe not the dolphins, but like maybe, uh, you know, the bears, the bears could find someone that they fall in love with. Uh, the bears may trade up who knows 12, you know, 12 is a sweet spot. Um, yeah. The 12 could be a very good place for a team like Chicago to trade up and get Mac Jones. Oh, please. No. Ahead of the Patriots. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think I've done nothing but uh, hurt the hearts of Bears fans. First, my boss, Justin, at 14 Personnel, huge Bears fan, uh, told them to be happy that uh, Cody Parkey, is not on your team anymore and that you have Harris Can we Anthos. not, can we not <laughs> mention Cody Parkey? This is a Friday night, man. Like, come but, on, dog. <laughs> but, you know, uh, for me, I think there's going to be options for the Eagles there at 12. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of good options. They're not pigeonholed into taking one guy there. You know, at six, we all knew the pick would have probably been Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase if they had stayed. But, you know, they're not. They're not. So uh, I'm really interested. I can't wait, man. I'm so happy. It's less than a month now. Uh, yeah, I'm just man. so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. It's interesting to see what they do. I mean, uh, they're in a really good spot. But it's it's a spot that they're – what they're basically telling us is they're okay missing out on Chase. They're okay missing out on Pitts. Do they think that Smith will fall to him? Like, are they just I think hoping, they do. I, I think they I, do. I, I – I don't know. And that's the thing is, like, do we think that Smith is going to fall at 12? Just like I thought CeeDee Lamb was going to be a top 10 pick, and it was Henry Ruggs. Guys fall. Guys fall all the it's time. It's unbelievable. There's, no, there's not always a reason. There's not always a reason. Yeah. But, you know, there's enough. You know, there, there's how he does – how he likes to think of himself as the smartest person in the world in the room. So if he moved down, it's likely because there was someone he wanted to take at 6 but still thinks he's going to be there at 12. There's nobody that makes more sense yeah. for that exact statement than Devonta Smith. In this I draft. agree with you. I agree with so, you. So yeah, but, we'll see what happens, man. It's be fun. But my man, th- this has been great. I don't want to keep you any longer. So if you want to just plug yourself one more time, tell everyone where they can find you, all that fun stuff. Yeah, no. First, man, Sam, I, I really appreciate you bringing me on, man. It's been a ton of fun chopping up with you. Uh, but I'd be happy to do it again sometime, brother. I appreciate that. Um, and you guys can find me, you know, on Twitter at Angelo underscore fantasy. Um, my DMs are always open too. If you want just you know, pop in, chop it up. If you have any questions about anything. Um, and then on my website and Angelo analysis.com. I mean, that's where all the threads are, uh, the profiles, Ricky profiles and the Ascension grading system, which is I'm about to be updated again. 
um, in about another week or so. I'm going to add the 2023 class of running backs for your Devi cool. leagues. Um, so that's going to be something I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited about too. Cause you know, those grades are going to be updated yearly, right? So we're going to get to see the ascension of those prospects. Um, those 2023 guys like your tank Bigsby, like your Bajan Robinson, like your Keishan Bouti, those guys and seeing how they improve over time. And then, you know, when you guys are in your Devi drafts, you know, looking at, Hey, this guy is, you know, right. You know, this guy's a 38 in film, man, he projects if he gets in the low forties, he's probably going to be an all pro cal prospect. So, and that's what you can kind of understand too, is where do I take these guys in my Debbie drafts? So that's the biggest thing I want to help out with too. Um, as we kind of get, you know, closer to draft time with AGS. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great guys. Thank you all. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.